And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Oh my god, you're so tall, you look like a giraffe. Mm, that's why you dead built like a baked bean. A baked... A baked bean! Heyo, and welcome to No Dunks, proudly a part of the Athletic Podcast Network. It's April 19th, 2023. I'm your host, Trey Kirby. Alongside me, a man who will absolutely catch you snacking on the sidelines. It's Tass Mellis. <laughs> yes, I tweeted Jared Greenberg, our <laughs> old friend who was just behind head coach Mike Brown, I think it was. He's working the sidelines yep. uh, for TNT, and he was just having a quick bite. <laughs> and then he saw himself on the monitor and had to stop <laughs> mid-bite. <laughs> he was quick on his mouth, toes, or whatever. <laughs> quick on his mouth, toes, but not quick enough for Tass Mellis. He'll get you. Uh, we've also got the man making the magic happen. It's JD. Hello. Hello. JD said uh, shows have been too long this week. <laughs> Says he wants a nice tight 60 today. A simple show. Very little graphical elements today, so we're going to keep it toit today. Uh, you may notice no skeets. Uh, I heard he's doing the Iditarod today. <laughs> yeah, 50-year anniversary since it started. You know how much he loves Luna, so took her up to Alaska. <laughs> They're doing the entire journey together. Should be exciting for him. Uh, they'll be back tomorrow. Uh, yeah, he'll <laughs> be. I don't think Luna will be on the show, but who knows? Yeah, Never we'll know. see. Yeah, she makes it on uh, some of his skeet streams from time to time. But That's absolutely right. She seems like a tough dog. I think she can pull it off. <laughs> yeah, man's got to race a dog. <laughs> oh, in other sports news, Tass Mellis hosted a podcast today. It's called No Bunts. It's on the Athletic Baseball Show feed. I believe it's up right now. I hear you talked to a yeast whisperer today, Tass. <laughs> Seb Winkler, the yeast whisperer, Trey. Yeah, he brews beers down at the Brave Stadium. There's some beer controversy going on in baseball with beer sales being down games are too short so we got Seb in to talk about just brewing beers at the stadium it's a pretty cool job yeah, IMO cool. Uh, well, a lot of GP a chat GPT talk today a ton of it uh, really? it's it, it somehow it's somehow we had Joel my uh, co-host Joel on every single week he does his math with ChatGPT because he uses ChatGPT for his job and now he does his math when when predicting baseball outcomes he wanted to know if a guy would be hitting 400 at the All-Star break, so he threw it in chat, GPT. Wow. Anyway, it was it was fun. Jordan Alvarez talk as Big Poppy 2.0. It was a good show. Incredible stuff. Joel is going to love uh, today's tweet of the night. That's a that's an AI tease for you a little bit later. Uh, on the schedule last night, only three games. We got a little bit of news, so we're going to tackle things by conference today. Sure. Starting in the West. That never happens. Never happens. Always Eastern Conference first, but not today. We're starting out West, where Devin Booker scored 38 points to lead the Suns to a Game 2 win over the Clippers, tying their first-round series at 1-1. Tass, what stuck out to you uh, from the Suns' Game 2 win? Well, I just think that with the Suns, because we always talk about Durant, and I get into the Chris Paul, and then we get into the camaraderie, the chemistry, we kind of forget about Devin Booker, don't we? A little bit? Sometimes. Uh, yeah, we, we kind of uh, just overthink the situation. And I guess... What stood out was the discussion we had pre-series. The Suns are going to have more firepower. That's exactly what happened in this game. 
Durant continued to get doubled in this game. And this time, as opposed to game one, Booker just broke out. Uh, he was scorching to get to his 38 points. They were taking advantage of that. Uh, I think they, they, they did a good job, the Suns did, of yeah everything that Monty Williams touched also uh, worked out extremely well. And they took advantage of the non-Kawhi minutes. That's I think those are the really important minutes with Paul George being out. Norm Powell and Eric Gordon especially have got to step up. And, and that didn't seem to happen. Although, listen, the Clippers... Uh, of all these teams that went uh, and stole game one on the road, they showed out really, really well. How freaking exciting was that in the first quarter to see Russell Westbrook block the snot out of Kevin Durant yep, yep, yep. and then old Kawhi, robot Kawhi, which is steal it directly from you, just grab the ball from you as he did from Durant and then go coast to coast and dunk it's right in Durant's face, essentially. They they, they showed uh, who they are throughout this, this first couple games. They are Tyloo's. Uh, I, I mean, Tyloo can just play any of these guys, and they come out and they play really hard. The disappointing part was the offense, and that uh, those guys I mentioned, Powell, if you hope Bones Highland would be that guy, and Eric Gordon, not supporting Kawhi Leonard enough, who again looks like robot Kawhi. So too much star power, really, what it was. Yeah, this to me was kind of the ideal version of what we expected the Suns to be heading into the postseason and kind of them at the peak of what they can do, at least on the offensive end. Kevin Durant, I thought, was really nice in the first half of this game, finished with 16 points, 13 field goal attempts. He was clearly more aggressive looking for his own shot in particular, I thought, in the first half. The tide turned a little bit starting at the end of the second quarter where the Suns really started heating up offensively. That Devin Booker hit a big three at the end of the half, and that carried into the third quarter uh, for Booker, where he scored 18 in the third, went seven for eight from the field, also added four assists. It was like Kevin Durant had a chance to look like the best player on the Suns through the first half of the game. Booker looked like the best player on the Suns through the second half of the game. And then Chris Paul also shut the door in the fourth quarter, taking down his nemesis, Scott Foster, after losing 13 straight, just jumper after jumper in the fourth quarter for Chris Paul, which I thought was big because he looked a little bit cooked in the first half, the way Westbrook was really taking it to him. There were, I saw Suns fans talking about Chris Paul and Monty Williams. They got to be gone in the offseason. Mm -hmm. Things changed quite a bit mm -hmm. uh, in the second half. The Suns ended up shooting 21 for 29 in the mid-range last night. Talked so many times after the trade. They've got three of the best mid-range shooters ever. That played out last night, and I thought that was uh, really what, the game came down to. The Suns looked unstoppable offensively, and outside of that, I don't know, five-minute stretch where Kawhi Leonard looked like absolutely the best player in the world, this was a Suns kind of basketball game. Well done yeah, uh, it's, from Phoenix. Yeah, it's good offense beating good defense. How, did, how the hell do you stop them when they're rolling oh. like that? And Chris Paul especially, yeah, as, as the third guy, I don't know if he was just more on balance uh, or, or just the fact that they got one in the books, but also the ball was in his hands more. I think the the, the offense just flowed a little bit more out of the from the get-go it was all right Kevin Durant play off the ball we'll find your advantages and they're gonna double you but it, at least it wasn't more it wasn't more Durant initiating things as the primary ball handler so I, I think they were just in a better flow uh, and that proved out you know, throughout the entire game it was just really difficult for the, the the Clippers to match the firepower and that's what we all thought would happen we just said these guys on this team. <laughs> These guys are good guys. <laughs> they should win. They, yeah, they should literally uh, uh, have it. But, yeah, the the Clippers had, did a really good job of disrupting it. Russell Westbrook, 
uh, had an even better game scoring-wise, efficiency-wise. He was awesome. The him the, and Devin Booker, that matchup uh, is is really great. Sometimes it's you know, Westbrook versus Paul. Sometimes it's Westbrook versus Booker. It's fun. Uh, Booker is getting into it. I think Booker just kind of woke up uh, a little bit in game two here. Um, you know, he is he was their best player going into that finals a couple of years ago. And I know people saying, oh, yeah, they, they got lucky each and every series. He was awesome throughout that playoff series on both ends. And that's why everybody, you know, outside of Denver picked Phoenix to be either one or one A to, to come out of the West because now Booker can just slide down. Uh, slide down a spot, so they they looked way better, and the and I think everything that Monty Williams touched again, like the the Biombo move over Jock Landale, uh, helped out, and uh, I thought DeAndre Ayton's minutes, although he 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 scored in game one, I thought he was just he was more effective in in this game. Whenever he touched the ball, he was just a little bit more focused on and on the glass, getting you know smart extra possessions in this one. There were times when it looked like DeAndre Ayton was the best mid-range shooter in the history of basketball. <laughs> he caught like three right at the foul line, play after play, not even taking a dribble, just catching it right in rhythm and going up uh, to the rim. Yeah, I was a little worried with Ayton's game, the way he picked up uh, foul trouble early in the third quarter. I thought maybe that would make him a little hesitant. When he came back uh, a little bit later on, but I thought he was actually pretty physical uh, in the fourth quarter, had three rebounds and a basket in the last six and a half minutes of this game. And then obviously he was money from the mid-range as well. All five uh, Sun starters ended up scoring in double digits, including Torrey Craig. We talked about him yesterday. Would Monty Williams stick with the same starting lineup? He did, and it paid off. Torrey Craig is being left open because he's the least scary offensive threat in the offen- uh, in the starting lineup for Phoenix, but five threes and then bringing it uh, defensively as well. That was a, a really impressive win uh, for the Suns. They played both sides of the ball really well. And Devin Booker, yeah, 38 points, nine assists, a steal, only three turnovers, just a really complete game from him. I think the big story after game one was Booker's defense. He was really good defensively in this one as well, but he just turned up the shot-making to another level uh, to get the Suns this win. You got anything else from this one? Well, uh, you mentioned uh, some of the bench guys. The Clippers are supposed to have the bench advantage. They may lose the firepower with the starting lineups, uh, lose that matchup, but they're supposed to win the bench matchup. Suns fared well enough. Fared well enough. They had enough in the starting lineup. They're also missing campaign, who was ruled yeah, out with yeah, a back yeah. problem. That'll help if he comes back in Game Three. That being said, the Clips they did all they could. It was a close game into the fourth quarter. They played really well. Some yeah, wild shot making uh, from the Suns that it's just it's going to be hard to compete with. Uh, they do need more from their their non Kawhis, uh, and, and those shots are there. Like Eric Gordon. Coming out the gate, looked, you know, he was hot again. I mean, hot, hot he had his first shot. Uh, I think he made his first two. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I think Eric Gordon and I felt the same way. He ain't going to miss tonight. Yeah, Because right. he just kept taking deep, deep, deep threes. threes. Ended up shooting uh, four for nine from three, because I think he had in the second half, he hit back-to-back threes as well. So it was a weird game for Eric Gordon. But I think you got to feel okay with the oh, way yeah. things have transpired uh, in the first two games if you're the Clippers here. Obviously, it's still a 1-1 series. They did everything they needed to do, stealing one on the road. And then you look at last night. They still offensive rebounded. 12 offensive rebounds last night to just seven for the Suns. They shot more free throws. They made more threes. So the outlines of a win and the way the Clippers want to play, definitely still there. Things got harder for Kawhi Leonard. Absolutely, uh, in the second half of this game, but there are times when you can just see that 
he can be better than Kevin Durant out on the floor uh, in this series. They're going to need that quite often. I think they got, I don't know, you would split the difference between calling it a Kawhi win and a role players win with the way Westbrook played in game one, but they still have a game where Kawhi could go for a 40, right? Like they could easily, he could have better games in this series, even though he's been quite dominant. So I think this series still feels alive to me. Oh yeah, baby. It definitely does. And you said the outlines of the winner, it was there for the Clippers. You just gotta hope that these the three best three of the best mid range shooters in the history of the game cooled off a little bit. They shot fifty eight percent overall yes. from the floor. <laughs> this big time. So really, yeah, sure you can win the rebound battle. Doesn't matter. Uh, you can win the free throw battle. It doesn't matter if you're hitting uh, that amount of shots, that number of shots. So they gotta hope that book uh, ain't as hot. But Kevin Durant is probably the best mid range shooter in the history of the game. So that go- ain't going away. They they did get the ball out of his hands again. Uh, like they did in game one, but Book was there to support him. And, and as you said, Aiton was was big, even though his uh, his shot total and his points total was bigger in game one. I thought, you just got to get him involved. And I think, again, just going through Chris Paul a little bit more keeps the flow going, Keep just keeps that chemistry going for that, for that they had during the regular season into the postseason. I thought they got away from that in game one. But, yeah, the Clips got to feel... Pretty damn good, even though Paul George ain't coming back this series. Uh-uh. Doesn't seem like it, at the very least. So, yeah, we'll see what happens at Crypto.com and if the the Clippers have, like, a 23-point game in them, because that's certainly something that they've done in the past. We shall see. In other Western Conference news, mm-hmm. big news. Draymond Green is suspended for Game 3 against the Kings in San Francisco on Thursday night, with the league specifically stating that, quote, the suspension was based in part on Green's history of unsportsmanlike acts. What's your take on this one, Tess? Well, my take is Draymond Green doesn't get the benefit of the doubt uh, because I think there was some gray area in this altercation. How hard did DeMontis Sabonis grab the foot of Draymond Green? How quickly could have Draymond Green got away if he really wanted to? How hard did he stomp on DeMontis Sabonis? And yes, it was a stomp. It's not a step, as everybody is calling it out there. In the media, anyways, uh, fans are calling it a stomp because it was a stomp. I don't think, uh, and this is totally subjective, that Demonte Sabonis was writhing in pain because he was faking it. It was real, uh, but Draymond Green, you know, what, what, uh, as bruised the stern as a uh, sternum as Demonte Sabonis has, <laughs> Draymond Green didn't do himself any favors by running over and mouthing off to the Sacramento Kings fans for minutes. On minutes, on minutes, you can clearly see him say, my favorite orange is the new black character, is Pusey to somebody in the crowd. I mean, he, he he's literally calling people names. So he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. And and I, I've, I, I listened uh, to a Warriors pod this morning that basically said, DeMontis Sabonis' act was the most egregious act. And obviously it wasn't, but he did grab him. And I, I do think that Sabonis... If he didn't do that, we wouldn't be talking about a suspension whatsoever. He wouldn't have stepped on him and stomped on him. But anyway, he stomped. Uh, there, there, there was some line dance in there, and he played it up. And I have no problem with the suspension just because we know how good Draymond Green is with his feet. I mean, we like you can you can say whatever you want about Draymond, but it, literally, you know, if if he doesn't yell at the crowd, um, I thought the ejection was probably enough. Uh, but 
I'm, I'm totally fine with it, I, I guess, is what it, what it comes down to for me. Yeah, I think the the aftermath of the stomp and the fact that Adam Silver was in attendance certainly had to factor into this. I saw that Draymond now will become the only player in the last 10 seasons to be suspended in the playoffs twice, which I think you would probably guess mm, <laughs> if right. somebody asked you about the last decade of the NBA. But it was definitely surprising, I think, to see the league kind of explicitly state this is an accumulation of yeah. things, not just uh, stomping on Sabonis's chest. He's listed as questionable uh, for game three. Uh, I assume he will play. But yeah, the league basically said, you can't keep getting away with this. Uh, so I don't know. I listened to a ton of podcasts yesterday talking about the Draymond situation. It seems that most uh, in the media thought that Draymond would be getting away with just uh, getting ejected during game two, a sizable fine perhaps on the way. There was even reporting during the day that the Warriors thought that Draymond was going to be fined and not suspended for game three. But the fact that he's done similar things multiple times in the postseason and also during the regular season, it obviously was a factor. Uh, And, you know, I think it was pretty pointed to include that, uh, saying, hey, man, we're calling you out here. You're getting suspended for a home playoff game, a must-win playoff game. This is a big deal. Uh, So maybe that has some sort of effect on Draymond going forward because he's missing the biggest game of the season. And the season didn't start well for Draymond Green either. Could start with the Draymond controversy and end with the Draymond controversy. You see any way the Warriors can win in Game 3 without Draymond in the lineup? I do think it, obviously, it helps that they're going home. It helps that their backs are against the wall. It it helps that um, they've been there, done that before, and that the Kings may not be as on point with a 2-0 series lead. So that all those factors should be said first before you get into the you know the X factors of it all the guys that are going to play who are probably it's probably going it's got to be a combination there's no one who can replace him but uh, a Jamichael Green a Jonathan Kaminga and an Anthony Lamb I think is going to get uh, plenty of burn um, because he can stretch the floor a little bit just to keep it uh, more wide open I do think yeah they can win I don't I don't uh, it is different in that they had all the momentum in 2016 in the finals when they were up 3-1 and he was suspended and then the tables were turned. They uh, they don't have the momentum uh, in this one and home court is going to be big, although the Kings are very good on the road. Kings are great on the road. Warriors obviously made it to the playoffs because they were one of the best teams in the Western Conference, specifically at home, and you saw post-game the fact that the Warriors were down 2-0. They were already trying to use that as motivation. Like, we haven't had to do this yet. Let's mm-hmm. see if we can conquer yet another challenge uh, in the history of yeah. our dynasty. Now they've added some more uh, problems into the mix. I was impressed with the way Moses Moody played in game two. I don't know if he he did end up scoring, uh, I suppose, but he was really big on the glass. I guess he had four points, but five rebounds, which I thought was mm-hmm. big. So I don't know. Jamichael Green only played one minute mm-hmm. uh, in that game. He was there for garbage time. Maybe Gary Payton gets the start. He seemed to have his legs under him uh, in game two. I thought uh, he would be helpful for defending Fox, at least having somebody to get in the way. But it's going to have to be a big-time game from Kevon Looney because he's getting about 100% of the DeMontis Sabonis minutes. Sabonis, I thought, figured out Draymond and Looney a little bit in game two. He was certainly more efficient, and he was definitely beating him up on the offensive glass. Now it's going to be on Looney to guard him 
the entirety of the time, I imagine, that Sabonis plays it. I would just guess that Steve Kerr has them linked up. When Sabonis sits, Looney sits. When Sabonis is back in, Kavan is coming back in as well. So he's going to have to control the glass and... Not getting foul trouble. Not getting foul trouble. Yeah, that's big time because then you're looking at guys who aren't super experienced. A Kaminga, a Jamichael Green, or a Tony Lamb, if you want to throw him into the mix as well. So <laughs> it's definitely going to be tough, but... Who knows? It's just one game. All the Warriors have to do is hit 23s in this one game. But we also haven't seen, like, the best Kings game, I don't think, yet. Their first two wins, to me, have been more gritty wins than straight-up flashy Kings basketball three-point shooting wins. They're going to have a game when they score 140 or something points. If it comes in game three, that might be the end of the Warriors. Yeah, that's totally true. I, I don't think we have got the best Kings game or the best Warriors game, obviously. So, oh, yeah. uh, So we can go either way with that one. Kevon Looney has to be in the, the ear of the referee, basically, because he's got to figure out how to stay on the floor. He was fairly demonstrative in game two for Kevon Looney. <laughs> that doesn't happen. I mean, he was, he, you know, he got into, I think he got ended with five fouls. And yeah, he was sort of apoplectic. What's going on here? How am I getting these foul calls? So I, I think he will just just try and understand what the refs are calling it, because he's, he's very, very good at not fouling and that's honestly a major key to this game, just him being on the floor because he is such an important guy for this team and it obviously escalates uh, with Draymond and what he did. And yeah, again, I'm I'm fine with it. I think after, you know, we've... I, I know people in the media thought the ejection was enough, but fans don't, uh, especially, especially with the way the replays made it seem like a, a lot of stomping was happening, but... Uh, <laughs> or it was a really hard stop, but where's that foot gonna go? That's that's what I that's what I need to know. And there was such there was such a gray area. Yeah. It's just because it's such a unique scenario. I, I know we have had a couple a stomp uh, in, in 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 NBA history a Scola Love stomp yep. uh, between those two. But I, I really do think there was gray area in this one uh, that that it's it's hard to really figure out what kind of grasp Sabonis had on that ankle. He makes it seem like he just fell there. And yeah, I mean, he did uh, the, the, the Draymond also stomping. And as you said yesterday, clicking his heels as he went away, didn't help him. There's, there's, there, <laughs> there's so much uh, to break down and it's just difficult to actually really know. Um, but that's, that's why, yeah, if you, if you don't know, you give the guy who's done it before a game and, and I'm totally fine with that. Um, I do think them being down 2-0 is just such such a big motivator for them, though. Obviously, this yeah, is their yeah, season, yeah. right? So they go home for the first time, that uh, a crowd that they've played in front of. You could easily see them winning. Oh, yeah. I mean, that should be a must-win game for the Warriors in the Chase Center. That's going to be that's gonna be a big task, I think, for the Kings to come out and look as great as they have in the first two games. And honestly, kudos to the Kings. They look like they're playing in their 28th playoff series or whatever it may be that the Warriors are at. But sticking with that series, a little more news, though, not a big surprise, but the Kings' De'Aaron Fox was named the first ever Kia Clutch Player of the Year for the 2022-2023 season, taking home the Jerry West Trophy after leading the league in clutch points. He beat out Jimmy Butler, who finished second, and DeMar DeRozan, who finished third. Feels like Fox has had this award locked up for months, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, but he ended up winning this quite handily. Got 91 of the first place votes. Uh, the second highest vote total, or uh, second highest uh, first place votes task. Do you know yeah. who it was? 
Wasn't it DeRozan? No, it wasn't DeRozan. No, DeRozan finished third. He got no first place votes, but Steph Curry got two first place votes. One first place for Jimmy Butler, and then one as well for Brunson, Embiid, Donovan Mitchell, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Luka Doncic. Kyrie Irving (laughs) also somehow got a first place vote. I thought it would be, uh, yeah, that's, that's, Hmm. I mean, that was a... Yeah, he is kind of he is pretty close. He's had some good fourth quarters. Yeah. That, that he's, a, he's a great fourth quarter player. Uh, yeah, but I don't know if clutch is what I would describe this Kyrie Irving season. Yeah, as, it was, nonetheless. It was, uh, yeah, so I think that voter probably just went with the old "Who do you want to give the ball to in a fourth quarter?" question, uh, while the majority of it of the voters looked at the stats. And I wonder if this is going to be sort of a stat influenced award. It was the top three clutch point scores in Fox. Butler and DeRozan. Yeah, and DeRozan was second, and so that's why I guess I figured he was second uh, because after looking through the stats and and seeing uh, DeMar – you know, being 35 points behind uh, Fox, if we want to get we want to get technical about it, 35 points behind the leader in clutch points. It seems like a pretty big gap, and I I, I just didn't think coming into this season, the first time we're awarding this award that it would have anything to do with stats, but it sure feels that way to some <laughs> degree. And I think that's okay, actually, that, that people would go to NBA.com and figure out that this guy was a monster with nearly 200 clutch time points. I think it's kind of hard to wrap your head around what that means. So I went to this stat. He had 26 fourth quarters of at least 10 points. That led the NBA by far. And he shot 53% in those clutch time moments. So the clutch time moments within five points, the last five minutes of a game, a game that's within five points um, in the last five minutes of the game. That's what those minutes are. And he had two buzzer beaters and uh, yeah, he was phenomenal. So yeah, it, it is weird that number one, I think that this uh, award has entered the, the lexicon of all of us. And we talk about it like it's yeah. been around for a bit um, and we're, and we like it. Cause I thought at the beginning of the year it sort of seemed gimmicky. Um, but it, it, if it's based on stats, it isn't gimmicky. And especially the guy they gave it to earned every and, – and I guess it's going to be earned every year because NBA players are really good. If There's it always going to be a clutch guy. Yeah, as long as, as, gonna be somebody. As, long as it, it, it shouldn't have gone to Kyrie this year. As long, as long, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You make right. a good point about that. As long as it's not some weird, hey, let's just give it to the guy that, you know, we all want the ball in his hands at the end of the game. Like, yeah, you know, right. sports talk is like – uh, that's the question. Who do you want the the ball in the hands? Uh, and usually it's like oh, Kobe, you know, historically speaking. So yeah, you could easily see a world like in the in the early two thousands if this existed, where just Kobe Bryant gets it every single year because you assume he's the most clutch guy. But the way the voting went down, yeah. between Fox having the stats to back it up and the game winners to back it up as yeah. well, I wonder if that was playing in voters' minds. De'Aaron Fox hitting a game winning three pointer against the Chicago Bulls and DeMar DeRozan, mm. out-clutching him when it mattered the most mm. late in the season. Perhaps that factored into the vote. Um, I'm just bummed that they didn't have this award last year because DeRozan would have got it. Because he did uh, the clutch. <laughs> yeah, he was he was Fox last year, uh, basically, for the Bulls. Still had a decent season this year. I was a little sad, though, this morning. I was listening to the Hoop Collective podcast, and Kirk Goldsberry scooped me because he compared De'Aaron Fox to Tony Parker. And I thought I was going to be all smart coming in here talking about how they both use their speed to get to their spots and are great scorers uh, from the two-point range despite being one of the smaller guys on the court. But shout out to Kirk Goldsberry. That guy's 
that guy's smart. He knows a lot about shot location data. So mm-hmm. he beat me to the punch, just like De'Aaron Fox beats most players to his spot for a mid-range jumper. What about the three-point shooting? I don't know. Can you he did m- hit a game-winning three-pointer against the Chicago Bulls, yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. That wasn't a TP That wasn't specialty. a TP. Uh, it wasn't a Tony, it wasn't a Tony <laughs> Parker thing. Specialty. He got better. He got better at a shot. Well, he was forced to shoot a little bit at the end of his career, but he never did. So I don't know. Maybe you can one up Kirk Goldsberry. Can you add in? A, he's Tony Parker and Tony, somebody at the I'll same time. I'll think about it. I'll think about it okay, uh, yeah, during wanna... the break here. And when I come back, I'm going to have the sickest analogy that Kirk Goldsberry could only dream of. Stick around. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Back with no dunks. But I just want to say that De'Aaron Fox, to me, is a lot like if you mix Tony Parker with Manu Ginobili. He's left-handed. That's all I got. That's all I got. I saw that uh, Tony Parker's <laughs> career three-point percentage is 32.4%. Really? You'll never guess what De'Aaron Fox is shooting from three this season, Tess. 32.399999. Okay, I didn't go to the full decimals. I saw 32.4. Wow. Wow, De'Aaron Fox is our generation's Tony Parker. Who saw that coming? <laughs> no one nah, no one saw that coming but he's people. left-handed so mix in with uh, Manu Ginobili of course Kirk Goldsberry's comparing him to a spur not a surprise in my oh uh, yeah that's a good call let's head east or at least to the midwest as the Cavaliers got 32 points from Darius Garland to tie things up in their series against the New York Knickerbockers script was flipped in this game Tass tell me about it well, I think the Cavs were watching uh, the Kings uh, a little bit. They came out alive. I mean, the perimeter defense was alive, pushing up a little bit further out. Let, let, let's get into it. They tried dunking on people oh, yeah. uh, like the Kings did a couple times in the first quarter. It doesn't matter if the dunk didn't happen. Uh, the effort was there. And, and yeah, you said Darius Garland, who had a efficient shooting night in game one, 7 of 13, but 17 points. Uh, overall, but he got way more aggressive. There was just a lot more aggression in this one. He beat that 17 in the first half. He had 26 in the first half alone on 10 field goal attempts. That's a ridiculous percentage, 2.6 per, uh, per shot. Uh, yeah, he had a nice night, 32 overall. I think people do forget that he is a far better three-point shooter than De'Aaron Fox or Tony Parker ever was. That guy leads <laughs> the Cavs in three-point shooting. He had a 50-point game this season when he had 10 threes. The guy can stroke it. But he, he wasn't himself. You were, you were calling for it yesterday. He wasn't himself in game one. There, there, there needed to be a little bit more aggression. I think that aggression from a fourth-year player in Garland helped out a second-year player in Mobley who got a little bit better shots. He wasn't awesome in terms of executing a lot. He didn't need to score. But he got some of his touch back. He was 6 of 11 in this one at least instead of 4 of 13. Uh, so I, I think that helped out. Um and also, yeah, everybody just shot a little bit better. Karis Levert was awesome in this Huge. game. 
Um, he came off the bench and led the team in minutes uh, because they went away from Isaac Okoro, and uh, he had 24 off the bench. Yeah, he, he, that's what Lavert is. Bad one in the first one, good one in the second one. Everybody sort of just felt better. Yeah, 1-0 deficit will do that to you, Trey. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. This is this was honestly what the playoffs is all about. Knicks were much better uh, in the first half of the game. They brought playoff intent – or the first – Game, game one, uh, as they call it. Uh, they brought playoff intensity. They were the tougher team. They looked like the deeper team. So the Cavs responded in playoff fashion by being the bigger, tougher team, I thought, last night. And, yeah, Garland set the tone basically from the beginning. He didn't take a shot right away, but once he got rolling, you could see the impact that all of his teammates and all of his coaches saying, hey, man, let it fly. Go shoot. You got to be one of our better scorers out there. You could see uh, the way that transpired and the way he was just getting downhill all the time in the first half I thought was super impressive. Nearly threw it down on Isaiah Hartenstein. That would have been a monster dunk. Clearly it would have been the best dunk of Darius Garland's career considering I can't can't remember remember one one (laughs) off the top of my head. But he really set the tone. I thought Mitchell played a really interesting game. 17 points, 13 assists. You could tell he was happy to let Levert cook. He was happy to let Garland cook as well. And then I thought J.B. Bickerstaff... Did some smart things in this game. Isaac Isaac Okoro came in, fouled a couple of times in the first three minutes of this game. Then he got yanked, stayed on the bench for the remainder of the game. Ricky Rubio, no time. Dean Wade, no time. Karis LeVert, 24 points off the bench. He hit four threes. And the confidence he was playing with, the downhill nature he was playing with, allowed allowed Bickerstaff to go away uh, from Okoro. He played Danny Green. J.B. Bickerstaff did. Danny Green hit a three-pointer, grabbed four rebounds. That's a nice little found money there, a nice extra player to have around. And then Donovan Mitchell, I thought, was a great playmaker. I mentioned the 13 assists before. He had that one where it went up. It looked like he was going to throw down a dunk and then somehow passed it to the corner. I think it was Chetty Osman for the three. Great stuff uh, from the Cavs to completely come through in all the areas that they needed to after game one. They needed to be more physical, and they absolutely were. They needed some support from another star. They got that from Garland, and their bench and their role players were a lot better. They had the Knicks looking so sluggish, getting into their actions. Uh, The ball pressure was much better for Cleveland. New York turned the ball over 17 times, and they are not a high turnover team. It just didn't feel at any time like the Knicks were able to get in a rhythm just because it was taking him seven or eight seconds to even get into their offense. And then it was tough to attack from there. So great stuff from the Cavs. Yeah, a lot of intensity on that end for sure. Like a guy like Quentin Grimes who needs some sort of space has been basically uh, a zero so far this series in, in terms of scoring, and he didn't hit a shot yesterday. So th- I think that shows you how much they were uh, really intense. Speaking of old Spurs um, in Tony Parker, you, you said Danny Green hit a three, and yes. that was a classic Danny Green three because there was a flyby. It wasn't just an open three. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He actually Pumped had him. he actually needed a pump. Yeah, J.B. Bickerstaff only trusted three guys. Danny Green, surprisingly, who didn't play in game one. Uh, Jetty Osman, who played great in game one, and Karis LeVert off the bench. It's a weird team because sometimes I do think they're deep off the bench because there's a lot of guys that can contribute. I mean, those guys who didn't play in Rubio, in uh, Wade, Lamar Stevens, they can contribute, but sometimes they're just bad. And so it looks like a really shallow bench at times. And so it's a great um, good luck charm if Danny Green's playing for you. Obviously, the, the, the three-time champ doing his thing out there uh, to chip in. I just hope you mentioned sluggish on the Knicks side. 
I just hope that they're physically all right because Julius Randle not looking. This was a rough great. game, man. Yeah, it was physical. Exactly that that shot that Jalen Brunson took from Jared Allen, which was really weird. Jared Allen, monster coming down on the offensive end, and Jalen Brunson is there, but Jetty Osman is like it's like sliding doors. He was like in between Allen and Brunson, and Allen Allen was just running up the floor, and suddenly. Jetty Osman went in between them, and Allen just kept running, and he had no idea that Brunson's face was there, and he gave him a shoulder check oh, like, yeah. right to oh, the yeah. face. Uh, so I, I wonder if uh, Jalen Brunson's going to be all right. I mean, he he got he got shaken up, and, and Brunson is tough. He's going to play. Uh, but him and Randall aren't banged up. There there are There's going to be a series in, in this postseason where guys are going to be limping across the finish line at the end, and I just hope it's not the Knicks because there's some signs that it could be. Yeah, Brunson – got hit in the face by Jared Allen, like you're yeah. saying, and then very shortly after he got hit in the face by Julius Randle, like yes. throwing his arms up for a foul call, hit Brunson right in the face. Quentin Grimes was bleeding from the mouth. Josh Hart has a hurt ankle. He got hit in the face as well in this game. Julius Randle had like a massive wound on his elbow in the first half from, I think he was trying to drive on Mobley or something, maybe hit him in the mouth. I don't know what it was, but had a big cut, had to get taped up. And then late in the game, Nick's up big, uh, but apparently Randall had asked to stay in to get his rhythm as he's returning from injury. Went for a dunk on a fast break. Jared Allen challenges from behind, fouled him, uh, and a, a real rough landing uh, for Julius Randall. Went down into the crowd. Cavs fans were very kind to him. <laughs> I thought the way that they uh, reacted after a really scary fall from the rim. I think uh, Jared Allen ended up getting a flagrant one, which is probably the right call uh, on this one, but... Yeah. Not and dissimilar Quinn, to like the the Giannis fall in the severity and the impact when he actually hit the ground. Um, so I think it's just going to have to be a pain tolerance thing for Randall as well because he seemed to be okay, but surely hurting. You're right. That's uh, an extensive list. Quentin Grimes, a similar play, right? He was on that break where Mitchell hit yeah. him from behind-ish and went into the crowd. One of those that you could say, yeah, that's a dirty hit. Um, but it wasn't much of a hit, and so it wasn't classified as dirty, nothing other than a common foul on that play. That's a lot, and Isaiah Hartenstein almost got decapitated twice, so that could... That's <laughs> true. Uh, so that could be something uh, that is another pain tolerance thing, uh, or maybe that's just a uh, a hurt, some hurt feelings potentially, because the Knicks, yeah, the, uh, the Cavs were so different, and Garland and Mitchell literally trying to dunk on, on Hartenstein... Just bringing that effort. So this is, uh, I guess this is Eastern Conference basketball. This is Eastern Conference basketball. Game three is Friday in Madison Square Garden. Knicks in the playoffs last time was 2021. I don't know what their fans' situation was like at that time. Uh, uh, because, you know, we we're still probably smaller attendance uh, early in the COVID days. So yeah. that should be a crazy arena uh, for be. that game with a, the score... Uh, the series tied. Donovan Mitchell finally coming to play uh, in MSG. And, you know, a real rough and tumble first couple of games. So, I mean, game three, it's going to be lit. Yeah, uh, yeah. well, Donovan Mitchell is going to try and redo what Trey Young did there, I guess, to some degree. Because I guess there was fans there. True, uh, there give, were fans there. Giving it to yeah. Trey. It was late 2021. I think that, that was the season, 2021, where – I guess that was just the the slow trickle of fans, right? Beginning of the Could season. Could have been a half half job or something. I don't know. Yeah. So don't yeah, exactly. It depended on on this. I mean, there could have been vaccination requirements to get into the arena then. Right? Yeah, it's possible. Let me, yeah. Let me do a quick check of the attendance you numbers want, you here. Want to do attendance numbers? <laughs> In game one, uh, May twenty third, twenty twenty one. 
Uh, attendance, 15,000. So it was pretty full. Okay. It sounds like it was pretty full. So I'm sure it'll be loud. Once again, there was another Eastern Conference basketball game last night. Was Tass. there? Good start for the Hawks, but the Celtics got the lead right at the end of the first quarter and then never trailed the rest of the way. Though Atlanta did make it interesting uh, in the second half of this game. Jason Tatum scored 29 points, and Derek White went for 26 as the Beantown boys took a 2-0 lead in their series against Atlanta. This one over, Tass? <sighs> well, yeah, I think we all knew it was over from the beginning in terms of the Celtics winning this series. Yeah, the Hawks aren't done. I think there is some life in them. But, yeah, that was, that was a painful one because, as you said, they started off so well. They're unlikely... In, in one locker room, the, the Hawks to, to outperform. The starters are unlikely to per, outperform the Celtics starters. And that happened. Uh, and then the, the Hawks hoped in coming into the series that their bench will be better than the Celtics bench. Um, but Robert Williams was a big problem turning that second or turning that first quarter lead around for uh, for the Celtics. He had a 19-8 run, or he's part of it, uh, to end uh, the Hawks' real hope. I mean, in that, in that first half run, he was awesome. And so he's a, he's a bench player now for the Boston Celtics, but he obviously is a starter uh, slash bench player, depending on the series. So he was huge. Uh, and I guess we sort of underestimated his importance in terms of mitigating the offensive rebound advantage that the Hawks were hoping to have um, in this series. But Robert Williams said, no, I ain't letting that happen. And that was huge to me, uh, him and him and Brogdon uh, combining there, uh, coming off the bench in that first half to just stop that run and, and allow the starters to come back in and just shoot the lights out. Yeah, uh, this – I suppose there are moments where the Celtics lose a little bit of focus. They can definitely have cold shooting nights, but that's what's going to happen if the Hawks are going to win because I think this one could very easily be a sweep – you talk about the offensive rebound advantage. The Hawks had one last night. They, they got did. 19 offensive rebounds. They did. The Celtics had five. They the did. Celtics made 15 threes. They shoot threes. The Hawks made more. They made 16. The Hawks played their kind of basketball, yep. and they got beaten pretty pretty easily in this one. Robert Williams, like you're saying, he was dominant was when he was in off the bench. A big part of the reason why the Celtics' defense finished with 10 steals and 12 blocks. I thought the ball movement that Boston showed – was incredible. There were so many times when the Hawks would take a long three. It would be a long rebound. They would just chuck it ahead to whoever happened to be outrunning uh, the rest of the Hawks. 28 assists for Boston last night. The dribble drives were great. There was a sick play that really ended the game when the Hawks were trying to make uh, a comeback, and it was a cross-court one-hand from Jason Tatum to find, I think it was Horford in the corner. Of course, that's cash from there. Uh, They're playing for each other. They're locked in offensively and defensively. And, yeah, the Celtics, to me, have been incredibly impressive through these two games. Derek White was a question mark for me coming into this series just because I wanted to see how aggressive he was going to be looking for his offense. You know he's going to do it defensively, but, man, 26 for him, seven rebounds, two assists, a steal, and three blocks. He does everything for the Celtics. Like, Tatum has had really nice scoring games in both of these games. But I would say Derek White's been the best Celtic uh, through games one and two and definitely has been the dis- the difference in this series. So I do think this one's Jover. It's just a matter of staying healthy. So my question to you, we've seen two games uh, from the Celtics. We've seen two games from the Sixers. Kind of similar games, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, game one, easy win for both teams. Game two, the opponent comes out, give their best shot, do everything they're supposed to, and it still doesn't matter. So who's been more impressive to you through these 
two first round wins. <laughs> the Celtics are the Sixers because they're meeting each other in the next round. Oh, I thought you were going to give me the the losers. Which no, which no, loser no, no. was has been more impressive? That's a great question. I think the Celtics overall, if their guards like Derek White, as you mentioned, who shooting from Eric Gordon range, you just don't don't think of him as a deep three point shooter. Like if they are going to outperform their counterparts, like if it, if it's going to be Derek White and Marcus Smart, um, Derek White making a great case for being a starter at all times, but he's probably going to go to the bench when when they get to the second round and Robert Williams has yeah, to enter the yeah. starting lineup. I mean, if they're going to outperform the other team's starting guards, that's 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 their weakness. Air quotes their weakness. Um, then that that has been more impressive to me than than overall the Sixers because yeah they've they've done a good job. The Sixers have finding shooters and and all that, but they have such an advantage at the center spot. It's not really a fair game. It's not much of a matchup uh, against the Brooklyn Nets. They they just. I mean, you think this one's fair? No, but but coming in, I guess on paper. Uh, I mean, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray should be better than Derek White and Marcus Smart. Um, and that hasn't happened. And so that's that's where I think the, the Hawks can get a game. Uh, but the thing is, like, yeah, the, the Hawks went and uh, scored offensively or got their offensive rebounds, but that's just because the Celtics also didn't miss. I mean, they were getting <laughs> – they <laughs> didn't need true. to get offensive rebounds. <laughs> 60, the, what, 55% from the field they finished? Yeah, they were on fire, and they were just getting into the lane too easily. That's that's the worrisome part. Uh, the points in the paint, that was just way too easy, 64 to 40. It was a layup line. It was a layup line. And that, I guess that's a disappointing part in them coming back and, and Trey Young entering the arena wearing Celtics green – I thought, all right, <laughs> all right. This this is this is one of those statements that I don't understand. You're wearing the opposing team's color, but that means you're going to play really, 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 really well, and that didn't happen. So maybe he play, plays better at home. Um, I just, yeah, I think they're more well equipped to beat the Celtics, even though, yeah, I, I thought they'd get two. I thought they would. If they get one, that'd be a nice accomplishment. Games three and four, Friday and Sunday. They have, a, they have a home court advantage. They they they'll be ready. Well, I mean, four oh four together. <laughs> Will you be there together with me on Friday or su- Sunday? You think about going to either of these ones? Well, it depends on which one you go to. Because if you <laughs> well, I haven't chosen either yet. Oh, that's a funny thing in this situation. I mean, if it's a Celtics game win on three, if the Celtics win game three, we might be able to go to game four for like $12. Yeah, but then you don't want to be at a game four when they're down 3-0. <laughs> that's also true. So, yeah, I just I realized Sunday, better day for me to go. But Friday, why the hell would you why would you take the Must risk? Must win game. Yeah. Why would you take the risk? And I think last year when they lost to the Heat by three, or I'm sorry, by three games because it was four to one. I think they won game three, if I'm not mistaken. Let's let's go to the tape. They won. Uh, let's go to the, let's go to the basketball reference tape. They did win game three. So they were down 2-0. They won game three. So I think Friday's the one. Friday might be the game. Yeah. And then they lost the next two. Got to pick my dad up at the airport at five. Okay. Takes about a half hour to get through all that stuff at the Atlanta airport. We can make it in time. I think we can make it in time to the <laughs> fortress. Steve's coming? Steve O. Steve O will be in town. But is he coming to the game? I don't know. <laughs> and honestly, I don't know who who he would cheer for in this matchup. Who Steve would cheer for? Yeah. My stepbrother lives in Boston. Oh. He's a big Boston Celtics fan. How dare you? Uh we not, live in Atlanta. Not today, I'm not, Steve. I'm not a big Hawks fan, but I've got Hawks fans in the family. And, of course, root, root, root for the home team. Uh, but right now, I'm not a fan of $49 for standing room only. What the? If I learned anything from Lee Ellis, it's that if you wait 
as long as possible on standing room only tickets, they get down to like 20 bucks somehow. So I'll do it. I'll go to one of these games, maybe. SROs and a round one, standing room only tickets. I've never heard of such a it's number. It's early. It's early. I was looking last night, so maybe it's changed uh, as of today. That's what I'll research during this break. Okay. Last time it was a, an analogy for De'Aaron Fox and Tony Parker. This time it's standing room on t- only ticket prices for the Atlanta Steve Hawks room versus only. Ball. Steve room only. Get Steve in there. We're taking a break. We'll be right back with Steve room only prices. <laughs> You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Back with no dunks, and this is what you've all been waiting for. <laughs> Steve Room Only prices. Holding steady. Still $49 to attend Hawks versus Celtics on Friday night. But if you want to buy a verified resale ticket, it'll cost you $55. That makes no sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I think we've been uh, talking <laughs> up the standing room onlys too much. And now the price, is, so? the price has been driven up over the last yeah. few years. We've realized that's such a good place to watch a game from. Talked about it too much. Yeah, now everybody does it. It's got to come down, though. No, yeah. We're, we're going we'll we'll to wait, wait on this one here. We're going to wait you out. We're going to wait you out, Hawks. I'll be <laughs> slapping that ceiling in no time. Uh, teased it earlier, but here we go. It's Tweet of the Night, baby. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Yeah, you're going to need to see this one, podcast listeners. So hop on over to our YouTube, search for No Dunks Inc. You'll find us because today's Tweet of the Night comes from at Daily Loud says AI generated photos of the Pope playing <laughs> basketball are now going viral online. And yeah, these are some AI photos of the Pope playing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling you, the one on the left where he's in the air shooting a layup, I feel like the reference photo was a Barack Obama picture cuz I think there's a picture Ooh. that is almost the exact same of Obama hooping, wearing pants, shooting a layup. And he yeah. may be smiling just like the Pope is in this one. Um, That's a great call. But yeah, these are just some quality images of what looks to be the Pope playing basketball. I know there was um, some other Pope AI images earlier this year of him wearing like a sick white puffer coat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he seems to be one of the go-tos 
for throwing into an AI generator. Me personally, I always put my friend Murph in there to see what they can do to his face. But I was wondering. Um, this is well done. It's honestly freaky how <laughs> how great this looks, how legitimately realistic this looks. He's but got ups. Is there anybody you'd want to see play that you've never seen play basketball? Play basketball thanks to the power of technology. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Probably never thought of that. Either. I never thought of the Pope playing basketball. Um, but then, <laughs> yeah, but, same. But then I saw him balling. And uh, yeah, I got really excited. Yeah, he's dropping communion on on those guys there. Um, um, who would I want to see play basketball that I've never seen play basketball? It's a really tough question, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure Terry Rozier would throw uh, Osama bin Laden in there, uh, the late Osama bin Laden, because he said famously that Osama should stop doing what he's doing and just play basketball because he's because he's hoop because he's tall. Yeah. Um, that one comes to mind. Nothing else jumping. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a tough one to put you on the spot. I guess I could have asked you ahead of time. Yeah, well, that's fine. I came up with a great answer. I mean, not, <laughs> not a great answer, but um, who else? You, you got You got one? Uh, I put down three potential answers. Aliens? Like an alien? Like, Would it be cool to see an alien holding a basketball? Sliming on it. Have we not seen that in yeah. Space Jam? Interesting. Mm. But yeah, no, 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 realistic aliens, JD. <laughs> oh. Those ones are cartoony. Gotcha. They don't even look like the real ones. Yeah, I was with you. More alien-y. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the actual nature aliens is what I want to see. Um, James Naismith? Let's get mm. an updated photo. See what he thinks of today's game. The only pictures we got That's of a good him one. holding a peach basket, holding a basketball. Probably has seams on it or laces. Um we need a new one. We need a color photo of James Naismith hooping. Think he's got a step back? Let's that's see. A, that's a great one. And then my final one was Babe Ruth. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Just an old famous athlete. Uh, so just imagine Babe Ruth. He was a pitcher. Then he was a hitter. Now he's a baller. For sure. That's a great one. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's no, not. It's not. <laughs> Babe Ruth? Who wants to see Babe Ruth holding a basketball? He's, maybe if he's pointing. <laughs> Yeah, bat, could he have a bat and a ball? Uh, yeah, not not great. Uh, yeah, we'll stick with aliens and James Naismith. What about you, JD? Anybody in the whole world who you've <laughs> never seen hold a basketball that you would just absolutely love to see hold a basketball? Yeah, probably me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I can actually make that one happen. Yeah, yeah, Holding me. Holding a basketball is the prompt. <laughs> uh, yeah, the... It's time for a quick inside joke, but we always joke about Matty O holding a basketball <laughs> and the way he was holding a basketball during a, a photo uh, corporate shoot. photo yes. shoot event that we needed to do. Uh, that looks like an AI generated image. Exactly. Of, what about a person holding a basketball that's never held a basketball <laughs> exactly, before? Exactly. Yeah, we got to we got to post that for sure. Yeah. In his defense, it was an awkward situation. Yeah. Oh, totally. Super awkward. It's like here, take this basketball and do shit with it. Yeah, he, right. was, he was trying, you know. He, he, was, tried, he, was, yeah. he was going Harlem Globetrotters on him. He might have been listening to the prompt. Pretend like he can't catch a basketball, mm. so he caught it with his wrists. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to do it. Nobody will ever believe you're holding a basketball that way. <laughs> yeah, but let us know uh, in the stream team or down below in the comments. Tweet at us. Send us an email and let us know anything on earth that's never held a basketball. Who would you like to see it hold a basketball? Because right now our best answers are aliens, James Naismith, and JD. Mm. 
I, I do like the idea. I do like the idea of other athletes like Boris Becker. <laughs> Hold it. See? Yeah. You're guy, right. That guy. Babe when Ruth he holds a ball, going. it's smaller than his hand usually. Not anymore. Yeah. Can he do it the same way? Doubtful. No. Step your game. Hands up. are too small. This is why people are so worried about AI taking our jobs, man. Because they, they can, can make do better segments. Hold, they than can make this? anything hold a basketball. <laughs> <laughs> they can do a better segment than this. I challenge you to that. Yeah. Chat GPT. Yeah. I haven't heard about a pod GPT yet, but it'll probably come out next week. <laughs> Got some game twos on tonight, Tass Mellis. Yeah. Three of them. The Lakers. They're still in Memphis. That game is on TNT at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. John Morant will be a game-time decision for this one, though I saw the reporting was that there was, quote, not a lot of optimism he plays in game two. And most of the clips I've seen, he's, like, warming up left-handed and stuff. So maybe not good uh, for Jaw playing uh, against the Lakers tonight. Miami plays against the Milwaukee Bucks after a surprise game one win. Giannis Antetokounmpo, as of yesterday, was listed as doubtful uh, with a back contusion after his fall. Tyler Hero is out. His earliest possible return is the NBA Finals. That one, NBA TV, 9 p.m. Eastern. Mm. Seems like a late start for a Milwaukee Bucks game. And then our final game of the night, Minnesota Timberwolves at Denver Nuggets. That's at 10 p.m. Eastern, also on TNT. Think anybody's evening this series tonight? I guess it would be the Grizzlies getting a win or the Timberwolves getting a win, or are we looking at some 2-0 series there? Yeah, this one uh, big for the Grizzlies and the Bucks at home yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to, to even the series here. Two different scenarios. It feels like Giannis is more likely to play than John Morant, but the great thing about the Grizzlies is they've had lots of experience playing without John Morant. They have such a great home court advantage. And this is a must-win for them if they want to hold out hope. So if even if Morant doesn't go, big games from perimeter players gotta gotta be a part of this. Like Desmond Bain didn't have a a good night in Game One. He's gotta be better um, than than the thirty-three percent shooting, and he can be. Uh, Tyus Jones will step into the starting lineup, I imagine, as their their backup point guard who always fixes everything, and he's gotta be big going down. Um, but it's going to be tough, obviously, in that game. See, the Bucks, the, the Bucks, I think, can overcome Giannis because they have freaking all-stars, um, uh, multiple of them, to, to help out. And they've done this before as well, you know, considering their their 2021 finals run. But the Grizzlies feels, I guess, a, a little bit more urgent because Jaws ridiculously important to the team. They, they um, haven't done this before successfully in the postseason without him. Uh, and you can just uh, you, you have the all stars again to fall back on with the the Bucks. So perimeter play, yeah, Bain's got to be good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, totally. not below average. Yeah, Lakers Grizzlies is no doubt uh, the one to watch tonight. You're right. The Grizzlies do have a lot of experience playing without Ja the past couple of seasons, uh, but missing. Uh, Adams and missing Clark on top of Ja. Three of their top six are gone, and it's already tough sledding inside for the Grizzlies. That's going to be tough, but they... Who knows? Who knows what kind of effort you're going to get from the Lakers? So we shall see what goes on with them. Desmond Bay needs to hit some threes. I'm with you. Luke Kennard needs to hit some threes because they're not going to get the inside uh, paint scoring from Ja tonight. So... Should be interesting to see. I I'm just guessing Giannis is going to play. Yeah. Uh, since they're down, maybe if maybe if it was 1-0 for the Bucks, this would be a rest game. But definitely a hard fall for him, and 
I mean, doubtful, I guess, is like a 25% chance he's going to play. That was yesterday, though. Maybe another night of sleep helps out. And then Minnesota and Denver. I don't know, man. Mm. This one might be charging it to the game. I had to get up really early to take my car to the shop today. 10 p.m. start in a series that wasn't a very competitive first game. I don't know. It's going to be a tough one for me. Maybe it'll be an all-possessions one on Thursday morning. But it'd be nice to see a big game from Anthony Edwards. He was awesome in the playoffs last year. He was awesome in the play-in last year. We haven't yet seen that from him. He obviously had the the tumble in the play-in tournament, and I thought it looked like he had a ton of padding on his shoulders uh, in game one underneath his compression shirt. So surely that's still an issue, but it'd be cool to see an Ant takeover game. Got anything else? Yeah, that's a good point. We got to see one in the postseason yeah. after what he did last year against Memphis. It was a short run, but he looked fantastic. So let's... Yeah, let's get one um, because this series feels like it's going to be fairly short. The, the star power is what I have faith in with yeah, the Bucks, um, and uh, yeah, and more so than than John Moran, who said his pain level was a ten of ten. Giannis comes back uh, when it looks like his season is over, so it feels like there's a lot more optimism around Giannis Antetokounmpo coming back, and plus the Heat. feel more beatable than the Los Angeles Lakers right now because you didn't get a great game from Braun. Uh, in terms of just you know overtaking the offense and doing Bron things, he's playing off the ball. Ryan Anderson, like <laughs> according to our John Hollinger and Anthony Davis, didn't have to be ridiculously assertive on the offensive end. So that's the scary thing for the Grizzlies. Yeah, that was a that was like a dominant AD game, and he was taking a backseat for yeah. the majority of it. I'm sure that uh, they will challenge to Rui challenge Rui Hachimura to have another great shooting game, and I mean we'll yeah. see if Austin Reeves. Can, sure. can absolutely cook the Grizzlies once again. That was uh, that was crazy to watch. Yeah, that's the great thing about the second game at home. Like you just you threw out Austin Reeves and it made me think like Desmond Bain is sitting there at home where they were amazing all season long and they're down 1-0 and Austin Reeves just outperformed him. Uh, the uh, uh, you know, a secondary perimeter player on the other side, he's got to be saying like I got to drop 20 25 yep. on this guy. So that that's a great thing. Like we saw yesterday Cavs weren't going to lose two games at home and the Grizzlies got to feel the same way. Uh, so hopefully they can, they can do that tonight in that, uh, that early game. That's got the stage all to itself. That's right. For a couple hours. Unlike yesterday where they're just clogged up uh, to start this. Start yeah, I the wonder night. how many games like ever that the Lakers have had a playoff game. That's the first game of the night. That's surprising. Yeah. You know, just cause of them being a West coast team, but obviously Memphis is, Quite far east, yeah. Geographically, nice geography. Yeah, it's just a little geography for you there. We're giving you a little of everything here: Absolutely. technology, mm-hmm. geography, ticket pricing, analogies, and of mm-hmm. course, friendship and fun. Always. We're also giving you some plugs. Follow us on any social media app you could possibly dream of: at No Dunks Inc. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. You can find us on YouTube that way. You subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash nodunks for $1.99 a month. That's a great deal and a great way to listen to any of The Athletic podcasts ad-free, including No Bunts. Now available on The Athletic Baseball Show feed. That's Tass talking with Joel and Seb about yeast. We got No Buffs <laughs> coming up tomorrow. Got Survivor tonight. Skeets will be back. Um, unless he finds another endurance contest to enter. <laughs> I heard he was uh, trying to get a rally car for 24 hours of Le Mans, so he oh, may nice. not be here. 
But he should be back uh, for tomorrow's show. You can go to nodunks.com. We're dropping a V-neck soon. Should be very exciting. Uh, in the meantime, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, this is what I hope. May the yeast be with you. <laughs> Embrace the yeast, people. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.